Christ Community Church, located at 25th and Thomas Avenue in Portsmouth, Ohio. Christ Community meets on Saturday at 5 p.m. and Sunday at 10.30 a.m. For more information, visit www.christcommunity.net or check out our Facebook page. As I've tried to tell you in the last few weeks, Jesus only had one sermon. He had many different illustrations for that sermon, and the sermon was about the kingdom of God and what it really is and how you can be a part of it. And even when after he was raised from the dead and he told his disciples, I'm going to meet you in Galilee, it is at Galilee that we get our text today for the message. It's really uh, a clever thing that he has done. These are men who, when Jesus, when they were frustrated with what had happened to him on the cross, and he, their leader was dead, what they were going to do. And even after he was resurrected, they were still depressed. And finally, Peter said to the other guys who were fishermen, the heck with this, let's go fishing. And they did. They went out into the Sea of Galilee, and it's this little fishing expedition that John records here. And he, this is the last of the, of the eight signs in the book of John that were there for the specific purpose of undergirding that Jesus is the king of the coming kingdom. And even the resurrection from the dead was for the specific purpose of vindicating the fact that he was the king of glory. So I'm going to read this text and then we'll talk about fishing. Now there's some of you guys who are more who, who think you're a good fisherman. Ron's one of them down here, but we never get to eat any of his fish, so I think it's all talk. But anyway, here's, here's, the, here's the text, 21st chapter of the Gospel of John. And he wrote this. He, right before that, he wrote down why he was putting this in his book. He says in verse 31 of chapter 20, But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Afterwards, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. Now, it's called, the Sea of Galilee is called by several different names. The largest city around the Sea of Galilee is Tiberias, and so it's sometimes called the Sea of Tiberias. Other times it's called the Sea of Gennesaret, and, but most commonly known as the Sea of Galilee. So they're there. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, called Didymus, I mean doubter, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. Peter said, I'm going to go fishing. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Now, you may ask the question, why are they going out at night? Because fishing on the Sea of Galilee by the people who live there is nearly always at night. Simply because in the daytime, it is 650 feet below sea level, and if the sun's out, you can fry an egg. It's really hot and humid. And so they would fish at night. And so this isn't unusual. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples didn't realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, Friends, have you caught any fish? 
No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Now, you may think, and a lot of the Bible commentators say it, that this is the, uh, this is the miracle. It isn't. It really isn't. Because you see, if you've ever been there, and I've been there, I don't know, 15, 20 times, and stood right there and, and with boats out running around, and, and, and I can tell you that if you are right on the seashore and, and out 150, 200 feet where you can see good, you can see schools of fish. And we're, what really Jesus was doing is he was saying, hey, there's a school of fish over here. Put it on the other side. They did it, and the net was full. But that wasn't a miracle. I wonder if you'll catch it. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, this was John, he's talking about himself, hey, it's the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, hey, it's the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him before he'd taken it off and jumped into the water. Now, when Peter jumped into the water that close to the shore, he wasn't walking on water. He's walking on the bottom because it's not that deep. Because you see, a fish, little bitty fish come in and swim around in the real in the real shallow water because it's safe there. The bigger fish chase them in. The other disciples followed in a boat towing the full net full of fish. They were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some fish that you just caught. Simon Peter climbed aboard and dragged, uh, helped them drag the net ashore. Now listen carefully. It was full of large fish. 153 in number. Circle in your Bible the 153. This is the miracle. I'll tell you why later. But even with so many in the net, it wasn't toward. And Jesus said to them, come and have some breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Now, why did they have some doubt about that? They're no different from you and me. If the paper had said last week that they'd buried me down in Greenlawn, and I was sitting here preaching this morning, you would wonder, is that a, who is that anyway? He looks like old Scott. Maybe not as good looking, but are you there? <laughs> they were the same way. So they had, and that's why, and now, and, that, and you'll see how that plays out here in a minute with Thomas. Jesus is getting ready to use that story of those guys catching 153 good-sized fish. Now, in honesty, these fish weren't what we would call good-sized fish. But for them it was. In the Sea of Galilee, even if you were to go over there today and go to a restaurant, uh, 
there by the sea, you would be able to order what they call Peter's fish. It's probably not a whole lot bigger than, than my hand. And they're kind of bony. They're tasty. And that's a good-sized fish because that's the way it is. And it was heavily, that, that, that lake was heavily fished because nearly all the, and there's a good reason for that. Fish are healthy. A few years ago, we had a men's meeting here, and we had a doctor come down from Ohio State who was really a men's doctor. And what he told us something I'd never heard before, and a lot of the guys, and I can't tell you some of the goofy questions, Estel Stahl asked one that would be embarrassing, but I won't go there. But anyway, he told us something. He said, guys, when you're 40 years old, you're going to begin to the process of having prostate problems. Every one of you. Dr. Phil, who was here this morning, he sent me to a man's doctor up at Ashland not very long ago, and the doctor checked me out and with the fickle finger of fate and said, <laughs> you have an enlarged prostate. It's a dandy. And so do the rest of us who've lived a while. But did you know that in Japan, nobody has prostate problems? And the reason for that is, obviously, diet. Guess what they eat all the time in Japan? Fish. So my young doctor, now he's waited 50 years too long, but he told me, he said, I want you to go and buy you some fish oil tablets. I should have said, help me but I didn't think of it at the time so when I we were up at Sam's we got and those suckers are about the size of my little half of the length of my little finger and at least fat that fat so I take two of those things a day ain't helping none but it makes him feel like he's a doctor so it's okay I don't mind I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna continue to do that because he told me to but that little bit of advice ought to help you put some more money in the, uh, in the uh, bucket because you don't have to charge, uh, pay a doctor to tell you that. So I got that for you. Uh, you guys don't have much of a sense of humor, but we'll work on that. 153 fish. Did you notice, by now you should have read the, the book of John, and you should have noticed that Nowhere does he talk about the Great Commission. What is the Great Commission? You go to the 20th chapter of Matthew, and, it's, and, and nearly everybody know, has heard it at the time of day. When Jesus had his disciples here before he ascended into heaven, the last thing he told them, I want you to go into all the world, and as you're going, preach the gospel, and then you baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And, 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 and if you'll do that, teaching them to observe all things I've commanded you to do, I'll be with you till I come again. John didn't put that in here. Or did he? Or did he? You got to understand who John is. John is the same character that wrote the book of Revelation, which is a book of, uh, that is written in code. Apocalyptic literature is, is, a, is written in code. You've got beasts coming up out of the sea. You've got big beasts, little beasts. They were, he wasn't talking about beasts at all. 
Those were code words. Code word for Roman Empire and emperor worship. These were code words. And I could take an hour here of just showing you the code words. Guess what the code word is that we just read? 153 fish. That's a code word. It's a sign that stands for something else. 153. Where in the world did he get the idea of 153 large fish? Now, as I said, these I've eaten them. I've eaten them, but they really aren't that good. If I had my way, the kind because I used to take uh, customers to Lake Erie every year, and we'd go up there fishing at a specific time, and the objective was to catch only one kind of fish. Because when I was a kid and first went fishing with my uncles, Uncle Lori and Uncle Robbie, down at the mouth of the fork of the Licking River, I caught the first big fish I ever caught. That sucker was that long. And for a little boy, 10, 12 years old, that's a big fish. I reeled that sucker in. They got him with a net on board, and we sat there, and I looked at him, and Uncle Robbie said, Throw that thing back. I said, you ain't throwing my fish back. I got the biggest one here. You got these little old bass things. He said, that's a red horse sucker. They're full of bones. They're not fit to eat. You spend all your time picking the bones. Bigger fish than you got. They threw my fish back. I never went fishing with them again. The heck with this. And I didn't even know how to fish, really. And I went with these guys up at Asbury and Bill Snyder and some of the people you would know, Ron, from up at Ashland at, the, at Armco. And we would catch walleye. Now, friends, that's a fish. You get about a seven and a half, eight pound walleye and fillet that sucker. There aren't any bones in it. When Jim... Irwin, the guy that walked on the moon that used to visit us here, stayed at our house. He asked Alice Kay to fix him walleye. Now, I could ask her, and she'd say, go catch him. But Jim asked, and we, it was there. Never figured that out yet. But anyhow, that's a real fish. I remember one time going fishing with a friend of mine. I was youth minister at a at, uh, Second Church of Christ with Tom Thurman in Danville, Illinois. And Morris Johnson and his wife had no children. They just kind of adopted our Matthew, or, or rather uh, Greg and Brian were there at the time. And they took us up to Wisconsin fishing. They paid for it. We didn't have any money. They had money running out their ears. And so we went out there and we went fishing. And I caught, you know, I caught this one fish. And, and, they, he, and the guy that was with us, the kind of a guide thing there, he said, throw that thing back. That's a snake. It wasn't a snake. It was a fish. I know the difference between snakes and fish. But they call pike snakes. So there are fish worth keeping and fish not worth keeping, at least in some people's eyes, whether it's a red horse sucker or, or a pike. And when I was a kid, we lived about as far as we live now from the Ohio River. We lived about that far from the, uh, from the Licking River. In fact, the Licking River got up into our yard during the 1937 flood. And my mother used to tell me, she said, well, we couldn't get out and we couldn't go to anywhere else. And so nine months later, you were born. 
hadn't been for the 37 flood, I wouldn't be here. That's the way she told it anyway. Anyway, every time we, that it looked like we were going to have a rain, big old rain, we would take, we didn't have these fancy things, you know, like you all have today. We just had what they call throwouts. You take some fishing twine and you put a rock on the end of it and you tie it to a root on the back and you throw, and you put some bait on hooks ever so far apart and you throw it out there. And the next day after the rain's gone and the river's all muddy and blah, you pull that sucker in and, and you usually have one kind of fish, catfish. Sometimes blue cats and sometimes channel cats but anyway bring me in and then we would sit uh, we didn't have as I said we would t we would go and cut uh, sassafras poles and put lines on them and hooks and so and along the bank and set them and the next day you go pull them in and nearly all of them had something on them, but occasionally you would have something that daddy would it would just it, it destroyed the line the hook and everything else but you still had him you put this funny looking little thing he could actually walk you ever hear of a water dog? That's what it was. There's a useless, well, they're really not good for anything. Throw them back. Now, I tell you all this fishing stuff because that's what this text is all about. 153 fish. Jesus said to this same group of guys who had gone out, he said to it three years earlier, you guys follow me and I will make you to become fishers of men. And now he's using this as an illustration for them and us for something that's really kind of important. 153 large fish. Why in the world did he select that number? He didn't do it just because he counted the fish. There was a reason. These are code words for something extremely important. Any idea how many species of fish are in the Sea of Galilee? One hundred and fifty-three. One hundred and fifty-three different kinds, different species, all in the net at one time. There's your miracle. Never happened before, I'll bet you, and it'll never happen again. That hundred and fifty-three, when they counted them out, you had everything laid out there, all different, all good size. Why did God put a hundred, because that's what happened here, 153 different fish in a net for those disciples to look at? Well, I told you it was a code word. It was, he's telling these guys, these fish are a sign of something. What? The gospel is for everybody and not just you Jewish guys that have been circumcised. The gospel is for 
Everybody in the sea, and the sea was representing the world, and the fish were representing all the people of the world. And he said, and I expect you suckers to go do it. Well, it's not a good word for, for fishing. I expect you guys to go do that. Because suckers you throw back. So he says, wrong word. You see, some fish aren't worth keeping. And some people aren't worth keeping either. Oh, that's not good. That's not good to talk in this day and age where politically correct things. You know, I'm sick of politically correct stuff. I'm sick of politically correct preachers. There are people, hear me now, that God throws back. And he has a good reason. If you go into the book of Luke, because Luke is a historian, he just writing down facts. In the 16th chapter or the, of Luke, starting uh, here, he, he tells this story. Starting of what? Verse 31. Here it is. He said to him, this is Jesus talking, it's in red. If they don't listen to Moses and the prophets, they'll not even be convinced even if somebody rises from the dead. You know as well as I do that most of the people in our world today are unchurched and unconverted. Because they don't believe that Jesus was raised from the dead. And even when he did and showed himself, there were people who wouldn't believe it. Those are the kind of fish you throw back. Some fish are edible. But only as a last resort. They're the snakes. They're edible. My red horse sucker was edible. In fact, here's what a hypocrite my uncles were. Every spring, when the black and white suckers ran in the creek, they would go down there with gigs and, and gig those same suckers with the little mouth and the bones and eat, cook them and eat them. They were jealous of my red horse sucker. That's what they were. Anyway, here in the 17th chapter, uh, uh, here, here's what happens. Luke records this. Now, on the way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. And as he was going into a village, ten men with leprosy met him. They stood at a distance because the law required that they stand at a distance if it was contagious. And called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. He was a Samaritan. These were the unliked people by the Jews. Jesus said, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? You go on your way. Your faith has made you whole. Look, we still have that problem. We, you would be shocked 
it just irritates me. But you would be shocked if you knew how many people attend churches and they pick churches because they think if they, when they come to town, if I go to that church, there are more people there with money, so I'll go there because it'll help my business. They're a part of the other nine. And if a bigger church comes along with more rich people, guess what? They get called to the other one. You might have them in your church, but I'm telling you, one out of ten is going to go to hell. Or, I mean, nine out of ten are going to go to hell. And now you say, well, bless me, you're being me. Hey, listen, I am sick and tired of going to funerals of, of rotten, dead, no good sinners and having some mealy-mouthed preacher get up there and say, he's in heaven just looking down on us, having a good time. Hey, his feet are hotter than Hades. And people aren't going to repent until they realize you can go to hell. There is such a place. I could tell you an interesting story, but I only have about five more minutes before we get to something else. About that very thing. There are people, though, that if they... If they see the evidence, and they're honest folks, doubters, if you give them the facts, that's what I'm trying to get Matthew equipped for. If you give them the facts, they'll believe. Thomas was one of those guys. Thomas was an interesting guy. He, he just said, hey, I ain't buying this story of a guy that was dead. I don't know whether he's genuine. I don't know. And I won't believe until I put my hands in the holes in his hands and I put my hand in the hole in his side where they stabbed that, fear, uh, that spear and out came blood and water. I'll not believe. John records this story in chapter 20. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Through the door, though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them, and he said, Peace be with you. That means howdy in northern Kentucky. Thomas said, My Lord, and, and, and Thomas is there. And Jesus said, Tommy, put your finger here in my hand. See my hands? Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Stop doubting and believe. And Thomas said, you're my Lord and my God. Jesus said, because you've seen and touched and felt, you've believed. And blessed are you for that. I'm going to bless you for that. Thomas was so convinced that he left when the, when the apostles were scattered across the face of the earth, guess where Thomas ended up? Southwest India. And today, the town, the city there on southwest India is called Mumbai. And that's the only place in all of India where you found a large gathering of Christians that were started there by none other than Thomas himself. In fact, they named themselves after Thomas. But he didn't quit there. He said, and blessed are those who have not seen 
and yet have believed. That's you and me. You and I have the capacity of being blessed by none other than Jesus himself by putting our faith and confidence in him as God's only begotten son and the one who paid for our sins and one who's coming again to claim his church. And he's going to take all the keepers. There will be some throwbacks. Oh, but some of them will say, I'm a preacher. I've done miracles. I've done this. I've done that. And he will say, I never knew you. Why? Because he reads the hearts of people. You've got to have your heart right. Our wants should be his wants. Because all of us are tempted to want what we want. All of us struggle with that. That's a universal problem and the one thing that Christians have to outgrow if we're going to be of any value to the kingdom of God. But Thomas is one of those that's a keeper. He's a keeper. He's the kind you put on the string, you put the little sharp thing through the gills and pull out the mouth and you hang him on the side of your boat and when another boat comes along, you lift him up and say, How you doing, guys? You catching anything? He's a keeper. Now, it's one thing to touch Jesus and believe. It's another thing for him to touch you and me. And he does that. And you know how he does it? He does it. By sending the Holy Spirit. Not just with the words that I speak. Even though he'll use them. He touches your heart. And he says. I love you. And I want you to be a part of my kingdom. He doesn't do that out loud. He does it. It, in, on a personal basis with each one of you. And you can either just keep it to yourself and do nothing and be a throwback. Or you can say with Thomas, oh my Lord and my God. And you are supposed to, according to the New Testament, stand before people and, and make your good confession before people. But what is the good confession? It is... I believe that Jesus is the Christ and he's my Savior. He says you confess with your mouth what you believe in your heart. Romans 10. And we're getting ready to give you that opportunity. And if the Holy Spirit has spoken to you, come on up here, choir. If the Holy Spirit has spoken to you, we're going to, ask you to walk down here. I've reserved five chairs here, and underneath of it there's some stuff we'll be giving you. Five chairs over here, and we'll set up more if we need to. But if you're here, and you've never, ever, if you're not a baptized believer in Jesus Christ, I ask you to walk down this aisle Sit here in the chair, and we'll sit here, spend some time with you, and then we'll make an appointment to come to your home, arrange for you to be baptized, and 
and we'll take your confession of faith. But we want you to do something. That's if you've been touched by the Spirit of God. Because the Holy Spirit is that who woos people to Jesus. He doesn't talk about himself. He talks about Jesus. Giving your life to Jesus. So we're going to stand and sing. And I told you, I've never seen a great revival where there wasn't great congregational singing. So we're going to ask you to sing with us. So stand up. I'm going to pray, and then I want you to sing with us. He touched me. So, Lord, bless us here as we wait upon you to speak to the hearts of people who have never confessed their faith, who've never obeyed the wooing of the Holy Spirit, who've never stood before witnesses and said, I believe that Jesus is the Christ. I'll be standing down here, Father, waiting for them. Please don't let anybody go home and become a throwaway fish. We want them all to be keepers. So please work among us as we lift our voices, sing praises to you, and wait upon you to work among us. We offer this in Jesus' name. Amen. Christ Community Church, located at 25th and Thomas Avenue in Portsmouth, Ohio. Christ Community meets on Saturday at 5 p.m. and Sunday at 10.30 a.m. For more information, visit www.christcommunity.net or check out our Facebook page.